All right, everybody, welcome to season two of the podcast, The Details, with myself and the great Adam Froer. We're super excited about season two, where we're going to talk about things that I think are impactful in people's lives and impactful in the world. You know, Adam and I are both psychotherapists, so hopefully we can inspire the psychotherapists out there, but also provide information that inspires just everybody. Right. So what we're going to do each episode, we're going to tackle a different topic or idea and kind of break that idea down into ways that, like I said, will hopefully impact your life the way you live life. And today we're going to be talking about change and we're living in a world where a ton of change is going on right now. Like we we just had a big change in America where we had a new administration, new presidential administration take over. And that process in and of itself represented a tremendous amount of change and not just change of the administration, but also change in the historical context, because we now have a person of color sitting in the vice presidential office who's also of Asian descent. So change and how does it happen, right? Yeah, absolutely. I also wanted to just say this process also is a symbol of change. And we want to say Welcome back to those of you who were here for the last season of the podcast, but we want to say welcome to those of you who are new. It's really worth mentioning is that, yeah, Kamala Harris is um, new and she's a person of color, but she's also a woman, right? This is the first time in history in the United States that we have had a woman in that office of vice president. So there's huge change there. I think also as we begin this season of the podcast, it's worth also noting that it's a new year, right? So we've just changed from 2020 to 2021, which 2020 brought all kinds of change to us. And in some sense, I think 2021, it gives us an opportunity to be thinking about how do we want to harness that change that was kind of thrust upon us in 2020? And how do we want to move forward in a really purposeful way into 2021? And so I think we have huge opportunities to think about change and how change is, again, sometimes thrust upon us and sometimes chosen. So Adam, let's get into it. How do you accomplish change? You know, I think it's an excellent question. I think one of the things I guess that I would say is change is actually always happening. Things are always changing, right? We're, we're always getting older. We're always breathing in, breathing out, right? So there is something, change, nothing is really stationary. And so I think in some sense, it, the question really becomes, how do I create the kind of change that I want to create? How do I harness change that's always happening and make that change that I want to happen? And so I think part of it is before we can really make the change that we want, we have to be really deliberate and thoughtful about what kind of change do we want. Can I even go a step ahead of that? You're saying we have to be deliberate and thoughtful about the kind of changes we want to have. Even one step before that, I think we have to be courageous and like dream worthy. Before we can even get to being deliberation, I think we have to be courageous and be and be able to dream. Because I think change first starts with a dream of things. And the reason why I say courageous is like oftentimes, and I don't know what is wrong with us as a species, but I 
totally think there's something wrong with us as a species, as human. But oftentimes, if you tell people about a change you want to accomplish, they will often say something discouraging about that change. So I think we first have to be able to envision or dream or just kind of be aware of what the thing is we want to see manifest in the future. And I think that's a big deal. I think that's a big step. And I think that's a super big part of this process that people don't take into account enough. And I think it has to be attached to like the deepest part of ourselves, like basically like dreaming beyond where you thought you could go. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I think the first step is I totally agree. We have to be deliberate about the changes we want to accomplish, but we also have to be honest and audacious and courageous in our abilities to dream what those changes might be. I love that word dream as well. I think oftentimes in our work as psychotherapists, we talk about finding the superhero in people and talking to the superhero in people. And I think oftentimes the superhero gets overlooked because when we think about those dreams, we're too scared or we think maybe it's impossible. And so we take what's possible from that superhero and we talk ourselves out of it. And so I think you're right. I think the first step really is about dreaming and embracing the superhero inside of us and saying, I really can accomplish whatever it is that I can dream. And I do think it takes courage and it is audacious. When we capture that vision of who we really are, that is really what's going to push us into the direction of, so then how do I take really deliberate steps in order to move toward that dream? And so I think, I think you're right. I think it's catching the vision of who we are, then dreaming big. We recently did an event where we called it Purpose, that purpose has two meanings, right? And I think dreaming in some sense helps us to identify what is my purpose? What am I capable of accomplishing? What should I be accomplishing? How can I live within my purpose? And so I think on the one hand, purpose is connected to dreaming. But then I think when you get to that being deliberate part of how do I take steps to move toward that purpose, then that's where I live purposefully right? I'm deliberate about saying, how do I achieve that dream? And so I think in some sense, really what we're getting at is when we live in our purpose and we live purposefully, we harness change. I love that. But there's something else I want to add too, right? So if the conversation is like, how do we accomplish change? I think one of the keyest ingredients to accomplishing change is surrounding yourself with people who believe in the version of you that you're becoming, And I want to be clear about that. Like, I'm not even talking about people who believe in you right now, but they believe in the version of you that you are becoming. And I'm going to, I'm going to use two examples to say this. You have to surround yourself with people who see something in you that you might not even be able to see in yourself. So here's an example. When I was in graduate school, what I really wanted was to be the best psychotherapist I could be. I didn't really have as embarrassing as this is to admit now, you know, 15 years later, but at the time. I didn't have any like goals or ambition. I just wanted to be the best psychotherapist I could be. Like I wasn't thinking about a private practice or books or lectures or any of that stuff. I just want to be the best psychotherapist I could be. And I believed the rest of it would take care of itself. 
so I did what everybody else did. I looked for a secure job. I got my master's degree and I started working at this agency and I had some struggles doing solution-focused therapy, which is what I ultimately wanted to be doing. I associated solution-focused brief therapy with being connected to me being the best psychotherapist I could be. I was working at this agency. They didn't love solution-focused work. They were, they were at the time, they were huge proponents of CBT, blah, 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 whatever. But fast forward, I decided to leave that agency and I tell everybody I'm going to go into private practice and Almost everyone I told that to told me it was impossible. I had a, a university professor tell me that if I don't put my office in a black area, that no one would come to see me. And I was like, why? And they said, because research says clients want a therapist who looks like them, which was kind of freaky because at the time when this professor was telling me that I had just signed a lease in a very not black area. So I was just like, holy cow, like I'm, I'm going to fail like this professor and why wouldn't I trust the professor was telling me that I was going to fail and was giving me the logic for why they thought it. But I proceeded anyway, thank goodness, and, and was able to build a very large, successful private practice. But then I met a guy named Bill O'Hanlon, who's now a good friend of mine. And Bill, we met professionally just through connections, really. I knew somebody that he knew. He told me that he thought I was a good lecturer. And he said, you should have a career in lecturing. And he offered to mentor me as a lecturer. And I remember thinking, you're crazy. In order for me to have a career as a lecturer, I have to be able to make enough money speaking to justify not being in my office seeing clients, which at the time, I couldn't, I couldn't see that as true. But Bill believed in the version of me years in the future. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't like he was saying, I believe in you now. He was saying, like, I believe in you in the version of you that you are becoming. And in a couple of years... That's exactly what happened. Like, in fact, my private practice these days is quite small because I spend so much of my time teaching solution-focused therapy. Surround yourself with people who just believe in what you're becoming. And connected to that, be really intentional about listening to the voices that confirm your dreams. Because no matter how many people you surround yourself with that believe how awesome you are, there's still going to be people who think you're a dope and they're going to be quite happy to tell you that they don't think that you can achieve whatever it is you're dreaming of. But you have to like train your brain to discipline your brain to allow the people who confirm your dreams to be more impactful than the people who doubt them. Yeah, I love that. I think that's beautiful. It's interesting because it strangely, it reminded me of a couple when I was when I was in graduate school, and I was just learning to do therapy. I had a couple who came to me for couples therapy. And one of the things they said is, we want to work on our relationship. We want our relationship to be better. And they said, but we're really struggling because when we met each other, we met each other at a bar and we were both drunk and we were both high and we really liked being drunk and we really liked being high. And so we would spend a lot of time together and we would use a lot of substances and we really found that we liked being around each other. Well, then as time went by, we kept doing that, but then we got married. And then all of a sudden we had two children and we thought to ourselves, you know, we probably shouldn't be drinking and getting high all the time as parents of two small children. And so they decided to stop using substances. And then they came to therapy and they said, since we've made this decision, we don't know what to do. The only thing that we know how to do is drink or use drugs. And that's how we find our entertainment. 
And so we need help to figure out how can we save this relationship? Because as we get sober, the relationship gets worse. And much of the time that we spent doing therapy was exactly that of saying, who do you see yourselves being? And who do you see your partner being? And one of the things that was fascinating about that experience is they both spent a lot of time talking about how great the other person was at being a parent. And so then it made our job easy to say, and if you started using those qualities that make you such good parents to be good partners to each other, especially when you're sober, what would be different? And it was interesting because as they described themselves differently, they could all of a sudden come up with ideas and they could say, well, we could do this differently, or you're really good at this. So what if you, you know, what if you brought that into the relationship? And before long, they both were saying, we have found, we're just inviting each other into what we liked to do before we got drunk or before we got high. So she liked to run. And so they started running together and he liked playing video games. And so she started playing video games with him. And that then led to now we have similar, similar interests, but what do we want this relationship to be like? And they were very then deliberate. It was really fascinating to watch them because then they were very deliberate about saying, we want to be this kind of parents. And they started putting boundaries and they said, we need to cut out people from our lives who are from the bar that we usually hang out with because they're going to bring things into our lives that we don't want here. And so as soon as we started having those conversations about what do they see themselves as, they really started lifting each other up. I think you're right on. I think that we have to surround ourselves with people who are willing to see us as our potential, not as we currently are. I think that's huge. Yeah, I think that's you too. And I think one last thing I want to say about this idea of change is the importance of not giving up. I always enjoy sharing our story about how people look at us now and, and we're currently running the largest solution-focused training organization in the world. And we have a great team behind us that supports us in doing the work that they do to make sure that we look our very best online and that the courses we do function properly and all that kind of stuff. What they don't see is it took 10 years to get here. And it took 10 years of like failing forward. And it took 10 years of really pushing until it worked. And I think if any point we had quit, we would have missed out on where we are now. And that would be the greatest tragedy of all time. Uh, before Kanye West went crazy, he talked about his, his ascension, his growth. And he said he was, it was as if he was like pushing on a wall, pushing on a wall, pushing on a wall, pushing on a wall until one day the wall started moving. And he said, one of the tricks to being successful is to just keep pushing on the wall. And I, almost every story of success that I've ever seen required a healthy dose of persistence and a healthy dose of that like never quit mentality. I do this work because I love it. I do this work with you, Adam, because I love you. And working with you is one of the most fun things I've ever done. So because of that, it provides the fuel and ability to not give up because I'm doing it because I enjoy it, not necessarily because I'm looking for an ultimate payoff. And the ultimate payoff is the reward for not giving up. Mm -hmm. so, so I would say all of you out there listening who are thinking about changes you want to make in your life, 
Maybe it's you want to lose weight, you want to save money, you want to buy that house, you want to buy that car. Every success story that I can think of requires a healthy dose of not giving up. You know, we were talking about this not too long ago, but I think you kind of alluded to where we are now is, you know, now 11 years in the making. One of the things that we have talked about is during that time, during those 11 years, there have been times where it's been tough, right? It's been hard and we've had to, you know, scrimp and save and all of those kinds of things. And one of the things that you said to me not not long ago is you said, you know, I if I had known how hard it was for you during those 11 years, I think I would have been tempted to call you and say, we got to stop this because I don't, I don't want to be the cause of your hurt or your suffering. And I think sometimes people who we think have our best interest at heart, they would try to step in and they would try to stop us. And they would say, you know, you gotta, you gotta do things that are easy. And I think one of the things that we also have to capture in, it is, it's hard and there's struggle and there's all of that, but we also have to be so sure that even if people who from a very loving place say, that's too much, just give up, that we know what we're doing and why we're doing it so clearly that we say, no, I'm, I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going to keep pushing through because I know this is my thing. And since that time, right, where we've had that conversation and you said, you know, I would have, I would have told you to stop. I think we both realized you wouldn't really have told me to stop, but you would have worked because you were so invested in this too. You would have worked even harder. You would have pushed even more to make it a reality because it's important to you. I think that's really what I would say is when you help people around you to realize you're living in your purpose and you're harnessing everything you've got to create the change that you want, that people who are on your team, they're going to then work even harder to make that dream become a reality. And I can't help but think, this makes me think of your wife, actually. This gets to what I mean when I say, surround yourself with people who believe in the power of your dream. Because your wife, who I think is one of the most remarkable, strong people I've ever met in my life, she never advocated, even though it was hard. And those of you listening, it was very hard financially. There was lots of sleepless financial nights in that you know nine or 10 years building up to where we are today. And Adam's wife believed in the power of his dream so much that she never asked him to stop or quit, even though it was having a negative impact on her life. In fact, she did the exact opposite and advocated for more Elliot time. You know what I mean? Like advocated for more collaboration between the two of us, even though it was hard. What makes her do that, again, she's one of the strongest human beings I've ever known, is she was advocating for like more of Adam having his dream, even though it meant more difficulty. And I've never asked her this, but I imagine if she was sitting right here and I said, do you regret that? I imagine she'd say, no. I don't regret it at all. I know for sure she would say no. Over the course of time, she would say, there's something different about you when you're working with Elliot. There is a pure joy. And she knew me enough and loves me enough to say, I want you to have joy. So even if it's hard, even if it's a tough journey, 
I don't think she could have guessed where this has ended up, but she loved me and cared about me enough that she wanted me to have joy. And so even if that made things a little more difficult, she was willing to deal with difficult because it made me happy. So I hope what you guys hear in there is like, I would love to talk about the things that Adam and I have accomplished and the changes we've manifested in each other's lives and tell you how profound those changes are because they are quite profound. But I can't tell you that without telling you it required us dreaming and it required us having people around us who believed in the power of our dream. It required us to be courageous and it, it required us to, to work together. But it was, it's the most brilliant journey. <laughs> you know, it's, it's the best part of my life. And to be honest with you, I would have said that in the middle of the change. We never really talked about how hard it was, actually. No. We just talked about the dream. So maybe that's the last thing I'll say, is spend more time talking about the dream than you do the struggle. Because that's actually what kept us going. Like, it was literally like, oh, Adam, one day when, da-da-da, you know, that kind of thing. It wasn't like, you know, hey, tell me about how hard you're working to, like, make ends meet. Or, hey, tell me... Tell me how, how you're not sleeping. Like you, we never talked about that stuff. We we just talked about how awesome it would be. And we enjoyed the journey. Like we talked about how, how awesome it was while it was happening. So just be careful with your language as you start focusing on change. Because change is hard and your language will guide your perception. Just be really careful and deliberate with the language you use. Yeah, I think, I think that's what I would say is change is inevitable. Like I mentioned right at the beginning, change is always happening. And so when you do what you're mentioning, when you're careful with your language, when you're careful with your perception, then you get to choose the change and how the change plays out in your life. And so I, that's, I think the last thing that I would say is choose change deliberately choose to make change a positive thing in your life because change is coming whether you want it or not so you might as well get the change you want you know what i think that's a great place to end it so everyone what did you guys think of episode one season two let us know in the comments subscribe to my youtube channel to stay up to date on content that we released and the next episode and we will see you next time thank you guys for listening thanks everybody